Hi, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Euler, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. Today, the soft skill that we're talking about is learning how to agree to disagree which is very hard for a lot of people. You know, when you strongly disagree with something, how do you walk away from it? The way that we've defined this tip is agreeing to disagree refers to aligning to and executing work that is associated with a decision, direction, or plan that you do not think will be successful. So maybe you have a colleague who owns a project, a new initiative at work, and you disagree with the steps that they're taking and you think this is just going to be bad for everyone and it's going to affect my work. Or maybe you're a management consultant and you've been assigned to support a client, or maybe you've been assigned to support a manager of yours with a new initiative they're doing and they're explaining to you the approach that will be taken and you're thinking, this is not going to work out. This, This is a terrible idea or even your supervisor might own something and and be bouncing ideas off of you, or maybe just men, you hear about something in a meeting and you think, I don't like this approach at all. What's the very first thing you do? Well, the first thing you do is recognize who's the accountable party, who's truly the decision maker for what's going to be done. And then you've got to document what the risk is. What is the problem with the solution that's been outlined? Where do you think breakdowns will happen? Where do you think impacts will occur to the organization? How big will those impacts be? Think through what is the risk. And then you've got to come up with alternate solutions. And you've got to present that to the accountable party. Yeah. This is one where I think you really have to put ego aside. Maybe you've had an idea for how you think this can be handled better. It's really got to be about the business problem. It can't just be about the ego or the fact that your colleague has an idea that your boss has glommed onto or your client has glommed onto that is not yours, right? So this really requires you to check your ego at the door and really, I think, check yourself and make sure that the disagreement is fundamentally about the right way to get to the objectives you're trying to get to. And it's not an ego issue or even a style issue because oftentimes, folks have very different styles or ways of working or ways of doing things than we than we might have. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. It's just different. So I think it's really an opportunity for you to take a step back when you find yourself disagreeing with the course of action and just double checking, am I, am I disagreeing with this course of action because of an ego thing? Am I disagreeing with the course of action because of a style thing? Or do I legitimately believe that this approach we're about to embark on is either too expensive, too time intensive, overbaked, over-engineered, or simply wrong? And it may introduce more risk, more unacceptable risk, or more risk that just needs to be mitigated than is necessary. So I think it's really important to take that step back and really do that reflective activity. And, and like Lindsay said, document, it doesn't necessarily mean you're drafting up an email or putting it to a formal risk and issue log, but actually kind of sitting down and working it out, even in your notebook or in your OneNote and really, really chewing on it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, and then I think you, you've also got to put some thought into how do you present this to the person because yeah. you don't want to offend someone. And the best thing you can do is influence it in a way to where the person feels like they participated in the new solution. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just recently heard a great, I think I was listening to NPR. It was one of those NPR driveway moments where you find yourself stuck in your car, unable to get out because you're just compelled by what you're listening to. <laughs> and it was, I can't remember what it was, Hidden Brain or something like that. And they were talking about Steve Jobs was very hard to influence. And when people would straight up disagree with him or confront him, you lost before you even started. And so one of his chief executives who became a really strong advisor to him over the years realized that the way to start to change Steve Jobs' thinking was to ask questions. Mm -hmm. um, so he would just start asking questions. I think it was actually she would start asking questions because she realized, hey, let me just probe with questions. And pretty soon she would find Steve would would listen to those questions. He would, you could see him chewing on them. And then he would actually sometimes change his mind. Not all, not always, but sometimes change his mind based upon the power of good questions. So that's another way to raise your concerns in a constructive way. But going back to our last podcast on knowing your audience, managing up and how to communicate, sometimes the, uh, the question is more powerful than the statement. Yeah. That's right. That is very powerful advice because that asking questions is the right, that is the way that you influence the outcome best. And, and so it is important that you sit down and you think through what are the risks, right? And you evaluate, why do I think that this is a, this is not the right path to go down and document it for yourself so that you can reference it, but then you can take each piece of the puzzle for why you don't think this is the right path and ask your question about that. And you might, you could find that everything you've thought of has already been thought of by the accountable party and addressed. And then that, that eases your anxiety, or you could find that they have not thought about it before and it makes them think about it in a, in a different way and change their approach themselves. Or you could find that they don't understand why that's an important consideration. And then it helps that you have your documented notes to say, well, the reason I bring this up is you've got to consider this aspect because it's associated with this type of an impact. So. Yeah. Which I think, you know, then brings us really to, to the next key component of this is, is really accepting what, what you can influence, right? So there are going to be times where you, you're, you're going to think that your thinking is on par. You've asked the right questions, you've positioned uh, and maybe provided an alternate course of action. Uh, and you, you're going to realize that those aren't going to be accepted. Or you may realize, hey, this is something that even, even I see it with, with my boss or with some of my clients, like no matter how much I may disagree with an angle they're taking or attack they're taking to, to go after something, they, they may be entrenched. So you have to accept the fact that sometimes you're not going to be able to influence them. You've done your due diligence. You've done your th thoughtful thinking. You've asked the questions. You've, you've escalated an alternate course of action, but, but there's really no, no moving that customer or, or moving your supervisor or your boss. And so there does have to come a time where you, you accept the fact. Now, I would say, and, and Lindsay and I were talking about this uh, earlier, that some advice I got from a, a key mentor of mine early on in my career was really approaching from th three times. You, you Three strikes, you're out. So she would always tell me, address the issue, do it thoughtfully, do it constructively, do it in the ways Lindsay and I have just discussed. And if they, if, if they say no, okay, you back up, get, let some time pass and maybe rethink your approach. And, and then at the appropriate time, reapproach. Get denied a second time. Don't give up, but again, take a step back, reapproach, and, and execute a third time. And if it, after that third time you still are getting the hand, then it's it's time to let it go. 
But uh, th there are times where it can be very successful. It, it can actually force you into problem solving mode very, very quickly. I, I've recently had a discussion with my, my boss around practice utilization. And I've approached the conversation with him a couple of times and was just not making any headway and finally realized, you know, I'm not communicating to my boss in the way that he is going to receive this information. So I need to change the way that I communicate. And I, I actually did a fact-based, data-based analysis, which is way outside my comfort zone to show him why we could not achieve what he was asking me to achieve, but also providing him with an alternate way, an alternate path forward. And after doing some analysis and getting that validation, I kind of approached for that third time and uh, was able to influence the conversation in the direction that I uh, that I was hoping it would go. So there is letting go uh, and accepting what you cannot influence, but I always encourage people to three strikes, you're out. Keep reapproaching, and then recognize when you've done everything you can do, you gotta you gotta let it go. Kind of bleeds into multiple roads to the same yeah. solution, right? There's not there's not that that uh, yellow brick road, if you will, Munzi, and we've run into that a couple of times together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and when you reapproach, you, you really have to understand where the accountable party is coming from, the yeah. customer or the manager or the colleague that you're trying to influence. So you've got to listen. So that that first time you approach, whatever it is they're saying, the reasoning they're giving is what you need to think about when you take your step back before approaching them for the second time. So when you do approach the second time and the third time, their feedback and input from the first and the second time needs to be reflected in yeah, your totally. updated uh, attempt <laughs> to yeah. spin it in your direction. Otherwise, you're just going to look belligerent or obtuse. Yeah, just but, annoying, right? Yeah, just annoying. <laughs> Didn't I already yeah. tell you no? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I think, it, so if if you've tried the one, two, three, and you're, you've struck out, and you've said, I got to accept this, it doesn't look like I'm going to have any influence, you know, I mean, one of the biggest things that helps me accept it is going, I'm not the accountable party here. I'm not the one that's going to be held accountable should this fail. That doesn't mean that I don't, that I want it to fail or that I don't care if it fails, but it, it helps me, I know, let go of the outcome when I think, Lindsay, you know, know, know your role. If it was my decision and I was the one accountable, I would expect other people to accept my decision, whether or not they agreed with it and to get on board and to understand that I'm in the one who made the decision. So I will own the consequences of this decision. And I think that it, for anyone to say that there's only one right answer to every problem or only one correct path that you can take to achieve a desired outcome is crazy. That's just simply not true. There's always multiple paths to an outcome. And so that helps you accept the solution that you disagree with as well is just going, I, I could be wrong. You know, it's yeah. about that ego, right? Like maybe this is a better path. Yeah. Let me see what happens. Yeah. Well, you can learn a lot from other people's creativity and directions um, and styles. So mm -hmm. you, you really do yourself a disservice if you're so entrenched in the way you want to do things that you can't see alternate course of action as being equally valid and good for sure. Yeah. yeah. I look at it as it, if I have tried to influence the direction, the path that we're taking, and I've been shut down and I still have to help with this solution that I don't really agree with, like help make it successful. I, I was telling Justin 
prior to this episode, I, you know, I look at it as like a personal experiment. My hypothesis is that if we follow this path, then it will not work out for us. It, it will take way longer than, you know, we're saying that, that we're going to fix this problem in one month. No way. If, if we take this path, it's minimum three. And I watch, I don't say anything to anyone, but it's my own little personal experiment. Is my hypothesis true or false? It's data and it, it's, being able to test different solutions without having to take the accountability, which is something I've, I'm grateful for having the opportunity to do. And you touched on it earlier, Justin, you can really learn from others. You know, you, you have to accept that you're not always right. Just because you, you know, you might have a, a stellar record, but you're not always right. And there's a possibility that you're wrong. And there's a possibility that this person person is right. Or there's a possibility that you're right. And so are they, and you just get to learn from them about other alternative paths. And you can take those lessons and apply them the next time the problem comes up or a similar problem presents itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that really, I heard a term, it was more in a spiritual sense, but I heard a term that's really helped me. It's, it's kind of benevolent detachment. So it's not indifference. It's not, well, well, we'll see, you know, it's not skepticism, but it's more of a, being able to again check that ego at the door, let go of let go of your agenda, and, and maybe even to Lindsay's point, have a little bit of wonder. Like, I wonder how this is going to end up, right? And I think that puts you in a much a much healthier orientation and puts you much more in the in the position of team player rather than adversary, and and reduces the hyper competitiveness of a work environment. That really that hyper competitiveness can make it more about you or that person rather than about the problem that you're trying to solve together. So that that ability to take a step back, have a little bit of benevolent attachment, right? Remove yourself from having to be the center of the solution and and really sitting in wonder and then even cheering on when another uh, plan works well and learning from it, I think is, is super important. It gives you an opportunity to grow. And people see that when, when you can position yourself that way, people see it and it builds trust and it builds relationship and builds rapport way better than a team event to top golf will ever do for sure. It goes back to what we were saying in, in the previous episodes. It's that you have to come from a place of my goal is to add value to this organization to leave it better than I found it. And see if everybody's operating from that place, then there's no need to worry about the ego because everybody is trying to add value to an organization. It's not about them as an individual. And I think, you know, if, if you truly are just about adding value, you can accept that your solution hasn't been taken and you can fully commit to the solution that has been determined is the path forward because you want everyone to succeed. You want the organization to succeed and you continuing to worry about the fact that you disagree with the path that's been chosen isn't going to add value to the organization. It's not going to make it more successful. It's not going to move it forward. All you can do at that point is then say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and commit to this and I'm going to work within the restraints and within the risks that I've already recognized and I'm just going to try and do my best and I'm going to do everything in my power to help this person succeed in yeah. their role. Yeah. Going back to the rich mind of, of military analogies, we used to talk about as a, as a young officer, you actually learn that 
in the military, we, you, you get this impression that it's like very top down and, and it is to some degree, but, it, but it's also a bottoms up organization in that before the final order is given, before the final decision is made, there's lots of robust discussion that goes into a decision. You know, we used to have deployed overseas in Iraq and, and even just in operational planning back home, the lieutenants or the captains or the majors or whomever, they would have lots of robust debate and discussion over how to go execute something. But the, the rule always was once, once the boss made the decision, that became everybody bought into that decision. And everyone, even if we disagreed with it, it became ours. We internalized it. And so it, when, when I was a young officer, I would then when I had to go give that decision, communicate that decision lower down into the organization, I didn't say, well, the boss wants us to yada, yada, yada. I would actually say, hey, this is what we're doing and, and this is why we're doing it. And I treated it like it was my decision. And that is a principle that absolutely 100% translates into the corporate world, whether you're consulting for a customer or a client or you're working for, a, for your boss. When my boss makes a decision, we oftentimes have had robust discussion and debate, sometimes impassioned debate about how to solve a particular problem. But when the boss makes the decision, I don't go back to my practice and say, well, you know, the boss wants to do this, but I disagree. And, you know, this is why I, I actually deliver it as if it was my decision. That story, that, that model is kind of what it means to me to fully commit. Now, we're not talking about something illegal, immoral, <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, unethical, right? We're, we're talking, we're assuming all things being equal, we're in a moral, ethical, legal work environment. Um, but it's really important, I think, that that decision becomes your decision in a way, and you, you take ownership of it, and then you figure out how to make it work. Yep. I have a memory of when you were my manager on a project, you had to meet with some, some higher-ups to talk about a proposed solution that you had. And they pushed back and they were the decision makers. They didn't like that proposed solution. They were sending you oh, come on. A, a different way. But I thought I thought that your solution, and I can't remember the details of it now, but I remember thinking, what? <laughs> you have given this perfect resolution to whatever problem it was that they were facing. And and I immediately went on the defense for you. And I was like, well, they're just crazy and, and they don't know what they're talking about. And and you said, yeah, you know, I'm not really worried about all of that. I'm just trying to figure out what I can learn from this and how I can learn from it. And I remember thinking, ah, that's the secret. That's it. When you, when you walk away from a difficult conversation, that's what you ask yourself. How do I learn from this? And that's where your headspace should be. If you want to be able to navigate conflict and, and agree to disagree with people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's an important skill. It's going to happen more often than not. And you've got to be able to, how to learn how to deal with those situations as they come and let go. And not only let go, but learn. Yep. So. That's all for today. Don't forget to head out to our website to download the tips and tricks worksheet from today's episode, download case studies, subscribe to our podcast and newsletter and more. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.